I want to speak to you for a couple of Sundays on the subject, creating the right atmosphere. Creating the right atmosphere in your home, creating the right atmosphere for your life. I don't know how many times I have heard this statement. You know, when I walked into Heart of the Bay, I just sensed the presence of God. The atmosphere was charged with the goodness of God. And I felt the love of God when I walked in here. Many of you, that has been your experience. And you've come here and you're still here. But you know what? That is a tribute to the people that attend here. Because you do not have that kind of atmosphere without a people that are not practicing the presence of the Lord. You do not have that kind of atmosphere in a church when there is not the spirit of prayer, the spirit of faith, and the spirit of love. So to God be the glory for everyone that has come, that everyone that has brought their supply of the Spirit. Amen. Have you ever walked into a home where perhaps there were harsh words spoken and there were arguments that took place and you had no idea about it, you found out about it later, but you walked into a home and the strife was so thick that you could almost cut it with a knife. That's something that is so important that if you have had an argument in your home, you know, Brenda and I have been married over 40 years and occasionally we have an argument, but one thing we have determined to do, we have not allowed the sun to go down upon our wrath. Why? Because we do not want that atmosphere in our home to linger. Because if that atmosphere in the home lingers, the scripture says where strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And so we have determined in our hearts to love one another, to forgive one another, and to disagree, if you will, without being disagreeable. And so you can do the same thing in your home. You can do the same thing on the job. I know that you face challenges on the job. I know that you face circumstances on the job where you may not always agree. And you know, a job is a cesspool, if you will, for many people at the water fountain to talk badly about the boss. You're not going to make any progress. You're adding to the atmosphere that is already negative by yielding to a wrong spirit. I believe that you and I can create our own atmosphere biblically and according to the Word of God. How many of you are interested in doing that? How about the rest of you? Ever had a friend that was going through a tough time and they were anxious and maybe experienced panic attacks and God sent you on assignment to be a loving vessel just to be there for them? You can sense that anxiety. You can sense that fear. But when you walk into a situation like that, not with an air of superiority, not with a condescending attitude, but with an attitude of, I'm here for you, and I love you. And you know what happens? Every time, the love of God in you will dispel every trace of fear. And you'll be a blessing to others. Also, you probably have been around people that have been sad or depressed. You know, it's a tough thing to be down. And it's even tougher when you don't have someone there to lift you up. You know, Jesus is the glory and He's the lifter of our head. And God will use you and He will use me 
to be an encouragement to lift people that have been downtrodden by circumstances. I'm telling you what, you and I can be atmosphere changes in the lives of other people. Amen. Say it with me. I am an atmosphere changer. But in order for us to change the atmosphere of others, we need to make sure that we have the right atmosphere going on in our lives. Amen. Now, the the definition of atmosphere, and I don't want to get all woo-woo out here, but the definition of atmosphere is the the pervading tone or the spirit, if you will, or the mood of a place. It has to do with the environment. It has to do with the tone. How many of you know that your life should be and your home should be a place where you can experience heaven on earth? And incidentally, circumstances do not dictate the atmosphere that you and I live in. We've got a big part to play. The enemy does not, I repeat, does not create the atmosphere for our lives. You see, the atmosphere that the enemy has established because he is the small g God of this world. He, in fact, is the prince of the power of the air. The atmosphere that he has charged this world with is the system of the world. But I just came by to remind you today that you are not of this world. We are living in this world, but... We're living in this world, but... We are not of this world. You and I are world changers. We are atmosphere changers. And just because the enemy walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, he may not devour you, and he may not devour me. And that is good preaching. You know, David, he was experiencing all sorts of trouble. King Saul was after him. King Saul was so jealous of him that pride got a hold of King Saul, and he literally tried to kill David. And while David is on the run, I think Kim Abimelech, an ancient enemy of the children of Israel, captured him. And David was so uh, confounded that he pretended to be insane. King Abimelech looked at him and said, who is this? Let's get rid of him. So David is still on the run and, and David ends up in a cave. That's tantamount to being under a bridge. No one wants to live their life under a bridge. No one wants to live their life in a cave hiding. But I want you to notice from the New Living Translation in verse 1. He said, I will praise the Lord when I feel like it. No, he said, I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. The King James Version says, let us magnify the Lord. Amen. Verse 4 said, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. And what did he do? He freed me from all my fears. Now notice verse 5. Those who look to him for help. How many of you know when you need help, it's good to look to him? If we don't look to him for help, we're looking in the wrong place. But notice, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. 
One translation says they will be bright with joy. They will be shining with his presence. Now the opposite is true. When we look in the wrong place for answers, we'll not be bright. We'll get dark and our lives will become dull and duller. That is why he encourages us to set our affection upon him and to look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Because here's what happens, folks. When you live in the presence of God, he will show you the path of life. And in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. When you and I experience the presence of God and are on his right path, we're going to brighten up in life. We're going to be radiant with joy. There'll be no more down days, no more blue days. But we'll wake up and say, thank God this is the day the Lord has made. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. One translation says, in your presence is abundant joy. Young's literal translation says it this way. They looked expectantly unto him. How should we look to the author and finish of our faith? How should we look to Jehovah Rapha, our healer? How should we look to Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness? How should we look to Jehovah Jireh, our provider? We should look expectantly with a confident and favorable expectation. So they looked expectantly unto him and they became bright and their faces were not ashamed. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 6, he said, in my desperation, I prayed. It's a good thing to pray. And the Lord heard me, and he saved me from all of my troubles. Now drop down to verse 18 and verse 19. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Isn't that good news? He's close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits have been crushed. What a great promise. In verse 19, it says, The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. So what this is saying to us this morning is is this. When you magnify Him, He'll deliver you from fears. He will rescue you. He will restore you. He will protect you. And He will give you joy. That's exactly what David did. And here's David's posture. And here's David's attitude. And this can be our attitude. David basically is saying, I may not be where I want to be, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do for sure. I'm going to praise and magnify the Lord at all times. And you may not be where you want to be, but you aren't where you were. God has brought you a mighty long way. Come on, somebody. You may be in dire circumstances right now. Don't be moved by that. Make the heartfelt attitude. As for me and my hacienda, we're going to magnify the Lord. We're going to praise God. David said, in the good times, in the bad times, I'm not going to magnify what the enemy is doing. I'm not going to magnify the fact that Saul is trying to take my life and I'm living in a cave. You see, what we magnify matters. I'm going to say that again. What we magnify matters. You see, when you magnify the Lord, He gets bigger to us. 
It's not the fact that he's not big. I mean, he's big. Amen. But he just gets bigger to us. And may he get bigger in my eyes. And may he get bigger in your eyes. Start to seem as larger and bigger than any problem that you will ever face. Because it's true. Whatever we magnify, we will give place to in our lives. What do you say we make the right choice this morning? We're going to magnify the Lord. What would happen if we really did that 24 hours a day and seven days a week? What would happen if we developed a lifestyle of magnifying the Lord? I tell you what, your countenance would change. People around you would look and say, what in the world happened to him? What in the world happened to her? Well, it wasn't in the world. It was in the word and it was by the Holy Ghost. Amen. You see, when we do that, what happens is on the inside, our spirit man becomes enlarged. And there is nothing that we cannot believe for. And there is nothing that God will withhold for those who will magnify Him. So number one, to create the right atmosphere in your life, live a life of worship. Live a life of praise. This is what David did. I love the song that we sang today. I feel a breakthrough when I call, when I call his name. I feel a shifting when I call, when I call his name. What do you mean, I feel a shifting? This is what happened to David. David shifted his atmosphere from being down with praise. And you can do the same exact thing. Somebody says, yeah, but Pastor Mark, I feel stuck. I feel oppressed. Well, then you need to drive the wrong atmosphere out of your life with praise and worship. Hallelujah. Well, somebody said years ago, well, you know, I can hardly wait till Sunday morning comes because then I can get my praise on. Hmm. Now, I don't mean to be a wise guy. You know, I'm not a wise guy. I believe I'm full of wisdom, but I'm not trying to be a smart aleck right now. But if you're waiting till Sunday to get your praise on, what are you doing all week long? Why do you say that? Because the Bible says that we are to put on the garment of praise. And if I have on the garment of praise, I don't have to get my praise on because my praise is already on because I got the garment of praise on. Do you see what I'm saying? This garment of praise does not await you in the parking lot. This garment of praise is to be on you, in you, and all over you every day of your life. And oftentimes what happens when people have the attitude, well, I've come to get my praise on. Come to get my praise on. I come to get my praise on. They've come to be entertained, not you. But this is not an entertainment center. This is a Holy Ghost Word Church where Jesus is alive and He is magnified. Hallelujah. In Psalms 9, you see, we can drive out the wrong atmosphere with praise and worship. And when we praise and when we worship God, we will dispel every oppressive and any oppressive atmosphere of the enemy. In Psalms 9, in verse 1, from the Passion, Lord, I will worship you 
with extended hands. Come on, lift your hands. And just say, Lord, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Hallelujah. I will worship you with extended hands. And I like how he says this. And my whole heart explodes with praise. You wonder why Caleb jumps. You wonder why Tony runs. You wonder why people express their praise through laughing and dancing and shouting and spinning. And sometimes all at the same time. Because the praise in their heart is exploding. And it's affecting their body. Amen. But also it will affect the atmosphere around you. I will tell everyone everywhere about your wonderful works. And how your marvelous miracles exceed my expectations. Look at this verse 2. I will jump and shout for joy. I will jump and shout for joy. Now I went to the 49ers Vikings game yesterday. And you know, I grew up 4920 Bryant Avenue South, Minneapolis. So I was a Purple People Eaters fan, a Minnesota Vikings fan. Even though they have yet to win their first Super Bowl, hope dies hard. <laughs> and so, so, so I went to the game yesterday, you know, and, and I, I, I texted a couple friends, Mac Hammond and Mark Hankins, took a picture of them warming up. And I said, I'm in a straight betwixt two, which means I don't know who to cheer for. I said at the end of my text, it's a win-win for me. But the Niners obviously dominated that game. And I saw a sea of red. It wasn't the Red Sea. But I saw a sea of red. And they were literally jumping and shouting and jumping and high, I mean, high-fiving people you wouldn't have anything to do with any other day of the week except on a Saturday afternoon. There was some jumping. There was some shouting. If they can jump over a little leather ball, if they can jump over someone making a touchdown, we can shout, we can jump over what Jesus has done for us. And so, you know, I kind of like the electric atmosphere, you know, the, the flesh likes that. Because I have competitive juices and I, I sort of like that. But that's all fleshy. It, but I notice now, as the day got longer, the, the crowd got drunker. And it wasn't with new wine. I literally had a guy standing next to me. He took up my seat and his seat. And he stood most of the game. So I moved over like this. But during the course of the game, we kind of became friends. But I'll tell you, by the fourth quarter, he was drunk as a skunk. And he was, he was so happy. And he was trying to school me about the Niners, kind of like I'd never been to a game before. And he put his arm around me. All of a sudden, we're best buddies. And after a moment or two, I said, I think I got to go to the restroom. 
So it was eight minutes left, and they were winning, so I went to the restroom, but I didn't go back. I left. (laughs) But I got to thinking this morning, you know what? The anointing may very well have got off on him as he had his arm around me. He could have woke up all hungover and wondering about God. But I say all that to say this. That atmosphere is so anti-Christ. It is so obnoxious. And I got in my car and I headed down 237 or 238 and all of a sudden the peace of God just came over me because the anointing's in me. And when I got home to our home in Union City, I walked in the house and it was quiet. And the presence of God was there. Why? Because we cultivate an atmosphere for God in our lives and in our homes through our lifestyle. I was never so glad to be in the presence of Almighty God. Now many of you have similar experiences through the week. You're on the job. You're on BART. You're dealing with people that aren't saved. You're dealing with rough atmospheres. But remember this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if you will cultivate the presence of God and practice it as a way of life, not just when you get here, but if you'll pray, if you'll read, if you'll praise, and if you'll worship, you will carry that presence wherever you are and it will dispel darkness and it will shift atmospheres around us. I believe that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And it can make tremendous power available, dynamic in its working in the United States of America. I don't care what the devil say, it's going to go God's way in the USA. Amen. But as we pray fervently, as we prophesy fervently, as we declare the glory of God, we shift the atmosphere in the United States of America. And you mark my words, there is an awakening come to this country. Now let's lift our hands and give him praise. Oh, glory to God. So in verse 2, he said, I will jump for joy. And I will shout in triumph. I will sing your song and make music for the Most High God. For when you appear, I worship while all my enemies run in retreat. The King James says in verse 3, When my enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. Praise brings presence which causes the enemy to fall and to perish. Some of you are getting it. You're getting it. I prophesy that you're all getting it. And there's going to be a shifting in your home this week. You're going to take the challenge that we've been challenging you with to be a praiser, to be a worshiper, to be a man or a woman of God in your home. And on Monday morning, instead of going through the routine of, of, oh, it's so bad and so bad, you're going to get up in the morning with a smile on your face. You're going to praise Him. You're going to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. 
And you know what's going to happen? The enemy will, take it, will, will pay attention. He'll say, what is this? I've never heard this. I've seen him do it at church, but I've never seen it happening in the home. And the scripture says he will fall at the presence of God. Literally what that means, it'll trip the devil up. It'll trip him up. It'll stop his plans. It'll stop his pursuits in the name of Jesus. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that David opened the door for God to invade his life. Praise brings him on the scene. Come on. And when he comes on the scene, he'll begin to change the scenery of your life. He will change the landscape of your life when he comes on the scene. So what do we do? In Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, But thou art holy, O thou, that inhabits the praise of your people. The voice says, still you are holy. You make your home on the praises of Israel. You know, when someone comes to make their home in your home, that means they're comfortable. When someone comes to sit and to dwell and to abide in your life, that means he is comfortable. He moves in an atmosphere of worship. The Passion Translation says this, You know that you are most holy. Yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable. You are God enthroned, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praise of your princely people. Living among the shouts of your praise. It's easy to shout in here. It's easy to shout at a Niners game. It's easy to shout at a Warriors game. But are you shouting praises in the privacy of your own devotional life? You see, God is enthroned in that. So here's what we're to do. We're to do as Psalm 24 says. Psalm 24 verse 7 says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the King... The King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? He is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall invade your circumstance. See, lifting up your heads was a figure of speech for praising and rejoicing. This is a group of people in a city that would see their king coming home from afar off from a battle he had just won or from visiting a foreign country. He would enter into the natural gate with a triumphal entry. And so they would lift up that gate But they would also lift up their living gates. And what your living gates is, you lift up your heart. And you lift up your praise. And you lift up your adoration to the Lord. And so they were surrounded around the natural gate. But they lifted up their living gates. Oh, come on, somebody. I said, come on, somebody. You see, they were being a living gate where there was a physical gate. And here's what happens when you praise him. The king of glory is going to come in. Glory to God. 
The king of glory is going to come in. Why? Because he's strong and he's mighty in battle. Hallelujah. I think some of you may need to turn off some of the music you're listening to. Because instead of the king of glory coming in, there's another prince coming in. The Bible talks about the prince of the power of the air. Did you know that some of the music that we have listened to in the past is demonically inspired? Did you know that some of the tones do not set the right tone that you want to live in? Some of the rock music and some of the music that even in the area of blues will make you very blue. Even some of the country music. I mean, country music oftentimes is really sad. I lost my dog. My pickup got stolen. And my wife just left me. But we're here drinking Jack Daniels and Budweiser. Old Jack can't lift you up. Old Bud can't lift you up. They were wrong when they said, it don't get any better than this. It gets a lot better than this. Some, I'm telling you, I know quite a bit about music. Because I know what happens when certain music plays. Especially under the influence of addiction. You see, when you're under the uh, influence of addiction, all of your, if you will, are down. Your, your gates are down. There's, there's an openness. Well, somebody says, well, I'm not addicted. But you know what? The same spirit that's behind some of that music when I was addicted is the same spirit that prevails today. Somebody's saying, are you you're telling me not to listen to that kind of music? I'm just telling you, be very conscious and be very careful about what you let into your heart. Because what you let into your heart is going to demonstrate and create an atmosphere of glory for the King of Glory to come in or an atmosphere of gory for the enemy to run roughshod over your life. Say with me, the greater one lives on the inside of me. I can't believe I just said that. So lift up your heads. Make an entryway for the Lord. Make a place. And that place is made with praise. How many of you know Paul and Silas did that? Remember Paul and Silas? Let me just give you a quick background of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were out doing the absolute will of God. And they were absolutely walking with God. And one day a spirit came upon them and began to say, these are servants of the Most High God. These are servants of the Most High God. It was a little girl who had made her masters much gain by soothsaying. And she followed them for many days. And Paul didn't do anything about it until the Holy Ghost came upon him. You know, I've learned that same thing. It's better to deal with things in the spirit rather than in the flesh. There's been many times where I've wanted to deal with stuff in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit checked me. And said, just wait. It's not the time. Deal with it at another time and in another way, and you'll get the right results. 
You see, if you deal with things at the wrong time in the wrong way, it's all of a sudden you've opened the door for deception yourself. Glory to God. Now here's another thought. Just because this little girl was saying, these are servants of the Most High God, she was saying the right thing, but with the wrong spirit. And you know, you can be in church saying the right thing with the wrong heart. And it can be a distraction to people around you. And so here's what happened. One day Paul had enough. And he said, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command you to come out of her and come out of her right now. And that spirit left her. And along with the spirit leaving her, the gift of soothsaying that the enemy gave her would no longer operate. It wouldn't operate anymore. And the people in the, in the crowd got so upset. Her masters got so upset because she couldn't make him any more money at all. So they took Paul and Silas and they put him in prison. They put him in jail and they beat them to a pulp, literally. And notice with me, in Acts 16 and verse 25. We could say this, that the atmosphere in that prison could go of one of two ways. It could either go south or it could go north. Think about it. Paul and Silas were not out there doing their own thing. They were out doing the will of God. How many of you have ever been in the will of God, doing the will of God, and all of a sudden a great test came your way? You know what your natural flesh wants to say? If this is what I get for serving God, just forget it. <laughs> Paul could have looked over at Silas and Silas, you there? Yeah, I'm there, Paul. Man, think about it. We've been out serving God and this is what we get? I mean, as if God put them in there. It was the enemy that put them in there. And Silas could have looked at Paul and said, well, you know what? As soon as we get out of prison, if we get out of prison, I tell you, I'm just going to go back to what I was doing. But Paul and Silas had another spirit about them. This is what I want you to see. Because in Acts 16 and verse 25, it says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Paul and Silas did what? They prayed. Here's what I want you to see. They didn't wait until their midnight hour to pray. They were already prayed up before they went into prison. In other words, they lived a life of prayer. They lived a life of fellowship. They didn't wait until the crisis came to pray. They were prayed up. So Paul and Silas prayed, but not only did they pray, but they sang what? They sang praises unto God. <laughs> And the prisoners, and the prisoners did what? So the praying and the praising wasn't a silent prayer. It wasn't a silent praise. It was loud enough for them to hear it. And notice in verse 26, and suddenly... I'm telling you what, God's got some suddenlies for you in 2020. If you'll not cast away your confidence, he's got some suddenlies for you. If you live a life of praise and live a life of prayer. And suddenly the Bible says it wasn't a minor earthquake. There was a great earthquake. 
so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loose. Hallelujah. Some of you need to wake up a little bit. Don't look at me with them sleepy eyes. Lift up your gates right now and give God some praise in this house. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. Listen to this statement. Paul and Silas lifted up their gates. And the king of glory came in and opened up the prison gates. You know they had a choice. But they made the right choice. They shifted the atmosphere. They created an atmosphere for deliverance. And I've got a word for many of you today. Quit complaining and start praising. How about this? Less pouting and more praising. You know what they say about diets, right? They say, don't go on this extreme diet and just say, you're never going to do this, never going to do that. It's okay to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Well, you know, if you got to pout, okay. But let your praise get rid of the pout in 2020. Amen? Instead of worrying, how about this? Let's start worshiping. I want to encourage you to practice the presence of Almighty God. Our faith will never be complete without praise. Say that with me. My faith will never be complete without praise. In 2020, let us lift up our praises to Him. Hallelujah. Folks, this is not a church thing. This is a Bible thing. This is not a church thing. This is a home thing. You can do this in your laundry room. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, I just got a letter saying I'm going to be put out of my home. I just got a letter from the doctors giving me a a bad report. The question I have for you is a question I heard Creflo A. Dollar ask his congregation many years ago. And I'm going to ask it to you this morning. I heard these same thoughts from mighty women of God, some mothers of the church that have gone on to be with the Lord. Perhaps some of you remember Mother Pauline. Remember Mother Pauline? Over 100 years old. I don't know if you remember Sister Lily and her husband Emil. She would sing that song about Jesus. Hallelujah. If anybody asks you where I'm going, I'm going up yonder. I'm going up yonder. I'm going up yonder to be with my Lord. If anybody asks you where I'm going, I'll tell you where I'm going. I'm going up yonder. But I'm not going to wait till I go up yonder for good. I'm going to go up yonder today. I'm going to go into the secret place of the Most High. I'm going to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. But I learned this. I learned this from some mothers of the church. It was just beautiful. I mean, years ago, Jerry Savelle, Pastor Tom, you guys might remember this. Jerry Savelle visited us and ministered to us over at our church on Royal Avenue. We received a tremendous offering for him. And of course, it's Monday, and it's time to deposit the money in the bank. Well, I never deposit money in the bank. But I have a friend that did. It was on staff, George Amro. How many of you know George Amro? 
So George Armel was entrusted to bring the offering over there to the Bank of the West. And right in the middle of that deposit, there was a bank robbery. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? And they took all whatever, all the check, all this, all this and that and the other, you know. And I had to call Savell's ministry the next day and say, well, listen, don't cash that check yet. We're going to replenish it real soon. And the bank took care of it. Amen. But I remember sharing that. And Mother Pauline probably was about 90 years old then. Mother Pauline just looked at me. She says, Pastor Mark, you know, in her beautiful little accent. She said, Pastor Mark, she says, I just want to give you a scripture. And the scripture is this, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness. And I got to thinking about that statement in between service today. And this thought came to me. The only way that I can and you can endure hardness as good soldiers is to be equipped with the clothing a soldier needs to face the fiery test. Are you listening to me? I don't know if there is such a thing, some of you military guys might want to know, but is there such a thing as fire retardant clothing? And here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me or impressed me with. If you're going to endure hardness as a good soldier, because there are hard times. I said there are hard times. They're out there. Just because the calendar turned on January 1st does not mean that we're not going to be tested. And here's what the Spirit of the Lord gave to me. The only way that you are going to be able to endure hardness is to be endued with power from on high. And that endowment is the power of the Holy Spirit. That endowment is the anointing. That endowment is yoke breaking, destroy, uh, removing power. We will never be able to endure unless we're endued. Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. Wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And again, I'm not a wise guy, but I'll just tell you the facts. There are several of you in this place today that need that clothing. You need to have that endowment. So he says, what are you talking about? I've already received the Holy Spirit. But have you maintained the glow and have you maintained the flow of Him in your life? There's such a thing as a fresh anointing. There's such a thing as a fresh endowment from on high. If we're going to endure, let us be endued. And if we're going to be endued, let us stay under the spout where the glory comes out. And the glory comes out of His presence. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 devil, I got it out. Ha, ha, ha. I know you didn't want me to get it out, but I got it out. I tell you what I'm believing for. I'm believing for a praising church. I'm believing for a church that will be so endued with power from on high that they're clothed with fire-retardant clothing. 
Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the the fire could not consume them. Evidently, there was an endowment that enabled them to endure the fiery trial. And Sister Bertha, they came out of that fiery furnace without the smell of smoke on them. I said they came out with a, without the smell of smoke on them. Now back to what Creflo said. Some of these mothers in our church have impacted me so deeply. Because I know where some of them have been. I know the trials that some of them have been through. And so, I just got a letter, Pastor, saying I got to be out of my house. I just got a bad report from the doctor. I got a question for you. The same question that Creflo A. Dollar asked his church years ago. Can you say hallelujah anyhow? Can you say hallelujah anyhow? Can you do what Paul did in everything? Give thanks for this is the will of God. And then there's a little song. Hallelujah Hallelujah anyhow. Never, never let the problems get you down. Oh, when life's problems come your way, hold your head up high, lift up your gates and say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Don't let your troubles get you down. Don't let Satan block your way. Stand right up and say, hallelujah, anyhow.